0: You're listening to the Next Trends Asia podcast, ideas and insights
1: from the East. Hello and welcome to the Next Trend Asia podcast. My name is David Digeleisen, and I'm the Innovation Advisor at the Embassy of Switzerland in Israel. Today, we will be talking to Daniel Roditi from Meron Capital. Daniel is here to tell us about the impact of COVID-19 on Israel's venture capitalist landscape. So stay tuned, and I hope you'll find this interview interesting. So, Daniel.
0: Hey, David, how are you?
1: Thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, Thanks for having me. That's the first time we're going to try this uh, this medium and have some exchanges recorded. And um, we're going to try in the following weeks to understand a little bit uh, what's going on? What, is, what are the effects of the COVID crisis that we all know already and, um, and feel in our work, in our personal life? And um, would be super if you can uh, start by introducing yourself and maybe a little bit about your journey that's led you to co-founder on Capital, if you can start from there. Super.
0: Cool. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I'm Daniel Ruditi. I'm currently a general partner at Meron Capital which is an early stage venture capital fund based in Tel Aviv and focusing only on Israel and Israel's related uh, startups operating core technology or deep technology businesses. So um, I'm Swiss, originally I was born and raised in Geneva. I did, uh, did my high school in Geneva and then uh, worked a bit in the private banking at uh, Edmond Rothschild, based in Geneva. Uh, in the bonds and structured products department. Um, then I went to do my studies in the US and worked in Greece for some time in Athens in Commodity trading. Then I joined a startup actually back in Geneva, back in my hometown called Agflow. And uh, eventually left to come here to Israel to do my MBA at Tel Aviv University back in 2015, uh, which I finished in 2016. And pretty much at the time I started my MBA, I went into venture capital at Blumberg Capital, which is um, a San Francisco and Tel Aviv-based bigger venture capital fund uh, focusing on seed and series A stage opportunities. That happened uh, by a person that's very important to me here called Yoran Azraelant, who hired me then. Uh, first as an intern, then as an associate and then offered me to join her to build the first version of, of Meron Capital, which was Meron Capital One, which she got the opportunity to build and which I helped her uh, build from the very beginning. Meron Capital One was a $70 million seed and Series A stage fund, also focused on Israel and Israeli related opportunities with tickets ranging from half a million to $2.5 million. and We've invested in 16 companies out of this, 14 are still active, two have been acquired. And we are now building uh, Meron Capital Two, which is going to be a pre-seed and seed stage fund. So even earlier stage opportunities, and that will be around $50 million in size.
1: So maybe we can, um, we can continue and build up exactly on that. How uh, building and being part of building uh, Meron Capital One. It seems to me that building my own capital too is happening in the midst of this crisis. How are things uh, changed? Do you see any change in the environment? Just generally speaking, what what do you feel that is maybe changed or maybe didn't change from, from, Mm -hmm. let's say, pre COVID to post COVID or during
0: COVID? Mm Um, so, I think that there's a, f- a few things that we're going to have to to separate uh, here. Like the first one is, and, and that has to do with our job as investors, right? Our job as investors is, one, aggregating capital from LPs, right? Then the money that we invest comes from somewhere. Uh, that's one. The second is us deploying this capital into startups and uh, and how COVID has impacted this and the third one is um how our startups that we already invested in and the ones that we're looking to invest in are going to be impacted by this as a whole so on the first one um i think that it we were quite impacted on the fundraising side the the reason for this and I, and i'm pretty sure that's that's valid across uh, other funds the reason for this is that um at oh, the beginning of the crisis, people uh, started to get afraid. Liquidity was scarce. Um, there was the the market was losing a lot of money. So also the percentage of of people's investment in private equity and venture capital was going um, higher. And so they had to rebalance their portfolio. So money was harder to get. Also, we rely heavily on traveling our uh, anchor investor for the second fund is actually located in Switzerland. So, so that's also an, another way that, uh, that I'm still linked in Switzerland. I actually was in Switzerland two days ago. Uh, so it's still a tie that, I, that is very strong to me. And so we need to travel in order to, to meet with those investors and prospect investors, uh, because as you know, a partnership is, is a relationship that's built around trust and respect. And that's something that's unfortunately very hard to build over Zoom. So, so that's one. Also, it's, it's hard, like talking about this relationship, it's harder to do capital calls from investors where their liquidity is, is more scarce. So we've had to be quite, um, to, to approach this quite carefully, let's say the, the LP side of, uh, of, of our job. So that's one. The, the second one is the deployment. I think the main question that people were asking is, um, are you going to be able to do investments over Zoom? And I think that's a question that that still remains to be answered. Uh, it, the, well, on the number level, Q2 2020 has recorded a record number of, of investments in terms of numbers and quantity in, in Israel. So I think that, that the answer overall must be yes, but we have to remember that we operate in an ecosystem that's very close and where people know people, uh, people know people before processes sometimes take a very, uh, very short amount of time, but are built over a very long period of time. So these people that we've known in, the, in earlier and that we're actually acting upon today. And the third one is how our companies have been doing. And I think that in, uh, in Israel, we've been quite lucky with regards to the overall impact of, uh, of COVID on startups. Of course, there's a there. There was a problem. There still is a problem of of runway, right? Like our our companies got got scared. They realized that money was going to be an issue, and uh, and so all of them, most of them, if not all of them, had to to rearrange their budget to make sure that they had enough money to to last over the the visible future. Let's say because I think the the most important aspect of COVID was the lack of visibility. I think that overall, as I said before, Israel was pretty well off because we are not a consumer exposed market as opposed to the US or, or some parts of Europe. We rely much less on, on the end consumer in order to generate business at scale. So um, we, we sell to enterprises that at the end of the day will need enterprise software. Uh, whether their willingness to pay is, is going down or up at any given quarter does impact the, the business, but it's very far from what you can see on anything that's related to, to travel, uh, to the sharing economy, uh, to hospitality businesses, to anything that, that deals with consumer. So, so yeah, happy to dive into any of those if, uh, if you want.
1: So maybe we can look at the, the deployment and, um, I want to take it from from uh, maybe another angle. Uh, looking at those numbers, I've seen also the IVC um, research that showed that H uh, one was record, twenty twenty was record. The number of deal, record number of uh, uh, money that was invested. It it's almost like a miracle because during a pandemic, when you see, as you said, a lot of sectors getting hit and getting even slammed, you see. Uh, the startup scene, the high-tech scene in Israel, like uh, almost not affected by that. And, um, in a, and if I look at the United States that you mentioned, we see NASDAQ on record, record breaking new highs, the FANGs, the the Facebook, Amazon, Google, and really coming out of this uh, crisis as, as winners. Do you think that this is uh, something that is... Um, yeah, nobody has a crystal ball, but how nervous or how uncertain you are about the future of um, maybe tech in general, but specifically in Israel. What makes it behave that way during a pandemic, which is remarkably uh, outperformed mm-hmm. other sectors?
0: So so there is quite a few factors, in my opinion. And, and again, that's my opinion alone. I think that VC funds had to react somehow to, to what was going on. Uh, the first thing that we have to remember is that venture capital as, as opposed to to public markets which which happened very uh, very quickly and are very liquid is a long-term game right um when i invest in a company i don't intend on seeing liquidity for five to ten years or 12 years uh, depending on the, on the company we invest in so basically the state of the market today impacts me less than, than my long term perspective on, on what's going to happen. And, and I think that's something that, um, that's been reassuring overall to VC deployment. That's the first thing. The, the second thing is that VC investors had to, to take a stance a bit on what was going on. And, and that came in, in a few ways. First of all, they focused uh, inside their portfolio, they said, okay you know what, uh, quite a few of our companies need money. We believe in them and uh, and we we need them to to get out of this, right? Because also there's a concept of sunk costs that whether or not you want it, we're all humans. And, and a lot of people take into consideration when they make these kinds of decisions. So they said, okay, like we need these companies to stay alive. And so we're willing to put our hands in our pocket because we have dry powder. It, it's, a, it's a lot about dry powder honestly, but how much funds still have in, in the bank in order to deploy or or that, they they still have yet to to call the so so they did deploy inside their companies to extend the runway whether it be through debt or equity rounds the second one is is in the same type of angle is is doubling down right it's saying you know what uh, I think this company is a great company mm-hmm. I think that today there is uncertainty and so founders need more capital it's a good time for for me to to double down to get more equity to make sure that the company has enough to go, but also for me to, to capitalize on, on the investment that I made pre- previously and that I strongly believe in, right? The, the third one is opportunity. I think that um, uh, because of uncertainty, founders were more keen to accepting capital from all of the, of the local players. And so that was important because some funds that weren't necessarily tier one funds said, you know what, today it's harder for them to refuse liquidity, to refuse capital and to refuse extending the runways. So we're gonna uh, jump on the opportunity to, to make them an offer and to give them money and to get on that cap table. So, and, and VC is a, is a game of access and opportunity. So they saw a, a possibility to extend their access and opportunity during this time so there was also a push uh for this and the the last one i guess is is marketing there's also a lot to do with this and and that's something that you can see is a lot about perception perception of of companies perception of funds uh, and perception of the market that that surrounds them and for a fund to say during those challenging times we deployed a lot of capital says something about their their trust and and their outlook on the market for a company to say during these challenging times we raised a lot of money says something to the rest of the market about their ability as as founders and and the strength of their product and so it's there was also a big push uh, around this which i think led to to the numbers that we're seeing and also we have to remember that israel is an enterprise software country and and that uh, enterprise software was positively affected on it overall by by the market. If you look at the, at capital markets and and the public companies, most of the public companies that that serve enterprises at scale uh, grew in in market uh, in market capitalization.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you mentioned digital health. You mentioned cyber. Did something change in your strategy? Do you find areas more attractive than before or vice versa? Do you find areas that you have invested before that now you will not consider or, or is or are your process of deciding to invest um, is agnostic to, to the industry and is more towards, like you said, the product, the team? Have anything yeah. change or maybe um, walk us through a little bit
0: your world when you uh, had to decide if to invest in the startup? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few things to take into consideration here, and I think it's a it's a really good question. There's funds who who focus on specific verticals, who say yes we like this or that technology, we like this or that market, and uh, and this is what we're going to be focusing on. And uh, and these are funds who build really strong kind of opinions on on uh, specific trends. We because we come in so early. Uh, in the one hand, because we're agnostic in general to, to the industry and because our general strategies around deep technology, it's, it's quite wide. So there are some markets that we like less because we understand them less or because we understand them too much to know that it's, it's not a place where we want to, to evolve. But in the, for the most part, everything, every strategy, every opinion is going to disappear the time you meet a great founder. <laughs> honestly that that that's really it for for us if we meet a great team if we meet uh, guys who have the ambition and who have the ability to to build something great that's going to be our thesis and and that's where it stops so yeah i i think that at the end of the day is is strategy changing because of covid uh, i don't think so and and i certainly don't hope so overall because i think that covid is whether we want it or not, over the lifetime of a fund, which is going to be ten to like eight to ten to twelve years, uh, pretty small uh, at the end of the day.
1: So as we um, get to the end of our uh, conversation, maybe do you have any specific advice that um, you want to share, or something that you think that entrepreneurs now need to really focus on? Uh, if something maybe that you uh, discuss with um, entrepreneurs that that are part of your portfolio. Is is there something that you think that is much more important now that you would think six months ago or, or a year ago?
0: That's a good question. Honestly, I, I don't know. I think that each founder and each company behaves in a different way. I think that there's not one single thing that's that's more important. I think that I can speak to, to what it is like to, to choose a partner. I think that one of the things that founders don't understand i think we have to separate the types of founders but there, there's a lot of um of founders that believe that that uh, venture capital is um is a means to an end but there's something that that we need to realize and that's something that i think COVID really w- was uh, a catalyst for is the realization that a vc uh, founder relationship is one of, of long-term partnership that's something that I think it's very important for founders to to do it and that's something that i I speak about a lot with with founders who are first timers is choose well the person that you that you 're going to spend the next ten years of your life with and uh, and that 's even more so true in, in times of uncertainty
1: so I want to end with maybe as you know, I work as the the Swiss embassy, part of the Swiss next, so we are always trying to mm-hmm. see how uh, both sides from Switzerland and Israel can benefit. You mentioned that you are Swiss, you mentioned you just came back uh, from Switzerland. Um, just out of curiosity, how, from what you see on, on the ground, how Israel is on the map, on the radar of uh, Swiss investor, and maybe also the other side, how uh, Switzerland is attractive or you see Israeli entrepreneur engaging with Switzerland. Do you think that we are part of a trend which is going to more interaction? Is it stagnating? Is it something that still has a lot of potential? Just, just out of curiosity, would like to mm-hmm. maybe end this conversation with your take on, on those two super interesting innovative mm-hmm. countries and where do, do they, can, they can benefit from each other.
0: Um, Absolutely. So yes, 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 and yes. I think Switzerland is is great. First of all, in their openness to innovation. And that's something that we see The innovation in Switzerland is quite different than innovation in Israel, right? In the way that is very centralized around universities and around pharmaceuticals and and around like a very few verticals. But I think that overall, it's a very open country to, to change when it comes to enterprise change, at least. And what we've seen, first of all, is, is more and more money coming from Switzerland. We've seen some corporates working with venture capital funds here, with when it may it be from um, uh, investing in venture capital funds or maybe just from partnerships where VC funds help them look for, for relevant startups. We, for one, are in touch with quite a few uh, innovation centers from Switzerland who send us from time to time a list of needs that they're trying to fill and we help them map who are the relevant players in the Israeli ecosystem they really perceive israel as a center of excellence uh, when it comes to to deep technology and so the perception is there and the opportunity is there so i think that the two ecosystems have a lot to offer to each other and i think that this is meant to to keep on growing in the right direction and and i i hope and I've been trying to, and I hope to to keep on being, uh, being at the center of, of this growth between the two countries.
1: Super. Daniel, I uh, just want to tell you that it's, uh, this this period is very interesting. And the purpose of this conversation is to try to make sense of everything that's going on. So, great, mm-hmm. super interesting. And I love your uh, bullish approach and your, your optimistic approach, looking 8, 10, 12 years, um, I think is, is good at this period where there's so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Every week comes with new surprises and, and sometimes it can be tough for a lot of people. So it's, mm-hmm. it's important to keep the good spirit and, uh, and thank you for that. It was super interesting.
0: Of course. And I'm, if there's anybody listening that has any questions, it's very simple to find me. I'm at daniel.meron.co.
1: Daniel, thank you. Amazing. Looking forward for our following conversation David, thank and you. Uh,
0: hope to see you soon and have a great Thank week. you. Thank you very much, David, for having me and uh, have a great weekend weekend. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.
1: Thank you, listeners, for tuning into our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Daniel as much as I did. And if you wish to know more about the latest science, tech and innovation trends in Asia and in Israel, log into nexttrendasia.org or subscribe to our newsletter, Next Trend Asia Digest. Thank you and stay connected to Asia with us.